If you're joining us today for the first time, or maybe for the first time in a little while, together as a church family, we have been looking at John chapter 15, uh, one of the chapters in the Gospel of John nearing the end of Jesus' earthly ministry and moving him towards the cross. In this particular chapter, Jesus speaks of himself as the true vine and us as the branches. And so our sermon series has been entitled Remain In. And what does it mean to remain in Jesus? And so we've been looking at that week after week after week. And today we come near the end of this together in which we look at Jesus as our friend. Before we jump into our scripture readings this morning, let us take a moment to bow before the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for this day. We thank you for your love and for your grace. I thank you for each person who is here today because I know that they are here not by accident but by your providence. We come to worship today, Lord, to hear a word from you, and so we pray that you would open our hearts and our eyes and our minds and even our hands to receive that word, that together as a church, Lord, we would be comforted and challenged. And so we pray, O God, that you would silence any voice within us that is not your own, that together we might not only hear your word, but respond faithfully. We ask these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and let all of God's children joyfully say, Amen. Amen. Friends, our unison scripture reading this morning comes to us from the Gospel of John. John chapter 15, verses 14 and 15. I invite you to read along with me this morning. Let us read God's word together. Jesus says, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Our second reading this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, and we pick it up kind of in the middle of what's going on. And let me set the stage for you. Jesus is teaching uh, the crowds, as he typically does, and In that moment, there are a couple of folks who are sent by John the Baptist. John the Baptist has been imprisoned, and he sends two of his disciples to Jesus because he's experiencing a little doubt about whether or not Jesus is truly the one sent by God. Believe it or not, Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, the prophet who prepared the way for Jesus, even had doubts. And so he sends his messengers ahead of him, and and it's Jesus who meets them, and he tells them to go back to John and to tell them all that he is doing among them. And so we pick up in Luke chapter 7, verse 24, right after that transpires. Here now from God's holy word. After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A a man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right. 
because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. Jesus went on to say, To what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. Sing a dirge and you did not cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine and you say he has a demon. Son of man came eating and drinking and you say here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Some of you may know, others of you may not know, I did my undergraduate studies at a school called Montreat College. Uh, It's a Presbyterian college uh, that's in Montreat, North Carolina. And if you don't know where Montreat, North Carolina is, then maybe you might know where Black Mountain, North Carolina is. If you don't know where Black Mountain, North Carolina is, maybe you know where Asheville, North Carolina is. It's in that area right there. I was a Bible and religion major, not by choice, forced by God. That's not what I intended to do, yet God called me into that. And so I took a number of Bible classes during my years there under some of the best professors that you could ever ask for. And I remember being in one of my classes one day, and I remember our Christian education professor saying that the one hymn that he just couldn't stand was, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Everyone in the class was a little surprised by that, but, you know, he's the professor, so we thought maybe he has some good theological reasoning behind this. And so he went on to explain to us that Jesus is not our friend, that he's our Lord, and that we can't reduce him to frivolous relationships. I wasn't going to refute the professor, but I had a friend in the class who decided that she was going to do that, and so she raised her hand high And he called upon her, and then she said to him, she said, Dr. Glassford, I respectfully disagree with you. Jesus tells us in John's gospel that we are his friends. And then she went on to say that in high school, she was bullied by many of her peers. She did not have very many friends, and it was a very difficult time in her life. But the one friend that she could always count on was Jesus. For her, Jesus as Lord or as Savior was not comforting in that time that she was going through. She needed a friend, and Jesus was that friend for her. Well, as you can imagine, after she said all of this stuff in class, all of us then turned to our professor and stared at him like, what are you going to say after that, right? And so he paused, he took his time, And then he thanked her. He thanked her for sharing all that she had gone through with him and with the class. And he told her, you know what, you're right. Jesus is our friend. And he acknowledged that he wasn't trying to belittle that relationship, but that the issue had more to do with reducing Jesus to nothing more than a regular person, a friend like others who downplays his true self as the Son of God, the Lord. 
both were right in the ways that they articulated who Jesus is. Jesus is the Lord of heaven and earth who cannot be reduced to a status of just another person, for he's the divine Son of God. But at the same time, Jesus is truly human. And he had close relationships throughout his life and ministry. And he's truly a friend like no other. But let's not be naive to think that everyone who encountered Jesus was a friend of Jesus. There were many who couldn't stand him at all, who refused to believe that he was sent from God, much less God himself, and sought to make him look bad, even to the point of conspiring to get him killed. As we continue our sermon series entitled Remain In, we come to Jesus' words today from John chapter 15 that speak of his friendship that he has with his disciples. Jesus says to them, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. So Jesus continues his message to his disciples that is interconnected with everything he said up to this point. As the true vine, Jesus is connected to them and they to him. And he has a very intimate relationship, a close relationship with all of them. And yet they also know that Jesus is their Lord and that they are his servants. In fact, just prior to this, on this same night as Jesus is teaching them, we have to remember, we just kind of reverse it a little bit. Jesus shares the Last Supper with them. But in John's gospel, he does something a little different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He washes their feet. And Jesus says to them this. He says, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Jesus reveals how they perceive him as Lord and rabbi or teacher. And as their rabbi, they are to learn from Jesus and to put into practice everything that he teaches them. Now, if you missed our uh, worship last week, we talked about what Jesus shared with them. Uh, Prior to these verses we read today, he commands them something. He gives them a new command, and his command is to love each other as I have loved you. And we talked about how this is a sacrificial and an unconditional love, a love that has no boundaries and expects absolutely nothing in return. This love from Jesus is not earned, it's freely given. So Jesus surprises them with what he has to say next in being friends. You see, they have graduated from being servants to being his friends. But this friendship is based on their obedience to do what he commands of them. So what does Jesus command of them? Well, he gives them a lot of commands throughout his three-year ministry with them. In fact, Jesus tells them that he calls them friends because he has revealed to them everything that he has learned from his Father in heaven. And I have to tell you, what a gift that is for his disciples. God has not hidden himself from them, nor has he hidden his desire and will for their lives. Jesus has taught them what God requires, and even better than that, Jesus has shown them what it looks like in his life and in their ministry together. I suppose that you could sum up all of those commands with the one that he just gave them. Love each other as I have loved you. 
this command frees them to love God. And, and to love as God loves, and not to place boundaries around who's in and who's out of that love. That's not their place. Actually, that belongs to God. Instead, they are to live for God as they love Him and love their neighbor as themselves. For Jesus is both their Lord and their friend. And as Lord, He teaches them the ways of God, much like a disciple learns from their master. Which in our passage today is interesting because Jesus says you don't know his master's business. And the, the, the Greek uh, translation of this word master is not master, it is Lord, kyrios, Lord. So Jesus is their Lord, but he says he's also their friend. And as their friend, Jesus does life with them. He fellowships and he eats with them. He laughs and he cries with them. He accepts them and he listens to them and he cares for them. That's what friends do. And Jesus draws them closer than just being servants as being his friends. He crosses the boundaries of the teacher-pupil relationship by showing them what true friendship looks like. Didn't he say before this that the greatest love was laying down one's life for one's friends? Isn't that what Jesus will do for his disciples and for everyone the very next day as he goes to the cross? You see, Jesus is the best friend one can have, and he exhibits that in his relationship with them. But Jesus is not just friends with his disciples. In Luke's gospel, we find a story of Jesus befriending some unlikely folks. Now, John the Baptist is in prison, and he sends two of his disciples to Jesus to find out if he is truly the one sent by God. John does have his own doubts, and he wants them confirmed. And Jesus doesn't come out right and say, yes, I am the one. Instead, he tells them to tell John all that he's been doing. Tell him that the blind see and that the, the lame walk and the leper's been cleansed. This is the work of a Messiah. This is the work of God. And so as they go back to tell John what they have witnessed from Jesus and heard him say, Jesus then begins to speak to the crowd gathered there about John. He explains that he is a prophet like no other. He is the one who will prepare the way for the Messiah. Hint, hint. You see, there are Pharisees and teachers of the law who are gathered in this crowd, and they're not fans of John or Jesus, but there are also others in this crowd. There are tax collectors and, quote, sinners who are present. Quite a diverse crowd, to say the least. And Luke provides an important narration right in the middle of everything that Jesus has to say to let us in on what's really going on here. Luke says this, he says, all the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus's words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. Jesus goes on to explain that the people of this generation are like children arguing with one another. Some children taunt the other children saying that they played the pipe but they didn't dance for them or they played a dirge and they didn't cry or mourn for them. They are nothing more than griping children who can't be happy with anything. Have you ever had a child like that before? No matter what you do, what you give them, they can't be happy with anything. I'm bored. I don't want to eat this. I don't like this. 
That's what Jesus is talking about. But he's not talking about children. He's talking about adults. And the adults he's talking about are the very ones who are in front of him. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And so he goes on to say to them directly, For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, Here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her children, says Jesus. Jesus points out that they're neither friends of John nor Jesus. They are tripped up over this little thing called table fellowship. And table fellowship in Jesus' day and in his culture was kind of a big deal. I mean, we'll sit down and eat with just about anyone. We all enjoy eating. Presbyterians are really good at it, actually. But in Jesus' day, who you eat with identifies you. Really important stuff. So you're not allowed as a Jew to eat with a Gentile. That's sort of the law. Which is why Peter... Okay, Jesus' disciple got into a little trouble after baptizing Cornelius and his whole household in the book of Acts. It wasn't that they came to faith in Jesus, or it wasn't the fact that he even baptized them. It's because he ate with them. Crazy, huh? And yet, in this particular passage, we get an insight from what Jesus has to say about what they're complaining and grumbling about. They're complaining that John the Baptist isn't eating with anybody. He eats Locusts and wild honey by himself in isolation in the wilderness. He's breaking the covenant, according to them, because he doesn't eat with anyone else. And yet Jesus, he eats with everybody. And the problem is, he eats with people they think he shouldn't be eating with. You know, tax collectors and sinners. And he's guilty by association. And so they argue that, 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 that John doesn't eat enough and, and that Jesus eats too much. And they argue that, well, not only do you eat with them, but now you welcome these folks to come and be baptized? It's kind of interesting, isn't it? But here's an interesting thing. You know, Jesus doesn't choose one group over the other. It almost appears sometimes when we read the Gospels that he does, but he does not do that. He is always providing an open invitation to anyone, even those who oppose him. And let me clue you in on this, because if you read past what we read today in chapter 7, you will find that the very next passage shows Jesus eating in the home of a man named Simon the Pharisee. So he's not just eating with tax collectors and sinners, he's eating with prominent religious folk too. He welcomes everybody. He seeks to befriend everyone who follows his commands. And it's not as if Jesus is okay with people sinning. He's eating with sinners and tax collectors who were baptized by John. That means that they acknowledged their sins, they repented of them, and they received that baptism. They are trying to live in the right way. Jesus takes sin very seriously, very seriously, so seriously that he died for it. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they rejected John's baptism because they didn't need it, right? Because they're living righteously. And in doing so, they've also rejected Jesus. They refuse to be moved. They say that they love God and follow God's commands, but they continue to separate themselves from those that they consider to be unrighteous. And in their eyes, John and Jesus should be doing the very same thing if they're truly from but we all know that's not what happens. Let's read it. 
Instead, Jesus continues to love others as the Father loves him unconditionally. He doesn't reject the invitation to go to Simon the Pharisee's home for dinner, but Simon rejects him. Why? Because he has compassion on a sinful woman during the meal. And I have to tell you, it must be so frustrating for Jesus in every instance where he's trying so hard to help people get it, but they refuse to get it. And the irony is that the people who don't get it initially finally do get it, and they begin to walk in it. But the people that should know better never seem to get it at all. And it's this cycle that just continues and continues throughout his ministry and his life. He wants to be their friend, but they refuse to obey his commands. You know, sometimes things never change. There are a lot of churchgoers who say they love God and that God is their friend. But sometimes they can do the same things that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are guilty of. They allow their pride to get in the way. Sometimes thinking that they're better than others. In their minds, there are some folks that God just can't love. There are some folks that God just can't redeem. And I wonder if Jesus walked among us today, would we accept his message or be just as blinded as they are? I find that uh, we're sinful human beings who allow our pride and sometimes even our prejudice to get in the way. There's always, I find, an other that exists in our minds That person who's impossible to love, someone who's different from us, someone we must separate ourselves from. And we can easily demonize them, can we not? Whether it's their political affiliation or the color of their skin, their gender identification, their sexual orientation, their faith tradition. Oh, they're not Christian. Or maybe it's something that they've done that we refuse to forgive them for. We find things that are different from us. And when we do that, we assume the worst in them, and yet we also assume the best in us. But Jesus doesn't do that. Nor does he tell us that it's okay for us to do that either. Instead, he tells us to love one another as he loves us. That's why he's eating with tax collectors. That's why he's eating with sinners. And believe it or not, that's why he's eating with Pharisees and teachers of the law. He says that wisdom is proved right by her children. Those who mimic what he does. His friends. There's no doubt that Jesus is our Lord and our friend. He befriends all of us. But the reality is, is that we can reject his friendship by not following in his way. You see, Jesus doesn't play favorites. He calls all of us to follow him, and he reveals the way of the Father to all of us who read his word and who see him in action. But he never forces himself upon us, and he never forces us to do what he wants or desires. He gives us opportunities to do them. The real question for all of us is whether we'll be friends of Jesus as he seeks to be our friend. There's a Christian band called Casting Crowns. They've been around a long time. And they sing a song entitled, Jesus, Friend of Sinners. And their second verse and chorus says this, I'm not going to sing it. That would be bad. Right, church? 
Amen? They know. They're trying to be nice. Brandon knows. I'm going to read it to you. I want you to listen to these lyrics. They're very poignant. Jesus, friend of sinners, the one who's riding in the sand, made the righteous turn away and the stones fall from their hands. Help us to remember we are all the least of these. Let the memory of your mercy bring your people to their knees. Nobody knows what we're for, only what we're against when we judge the wounded. What if we put down our signs, crossed over the lines, and loved like you did? Oh Jesus, friend of sinners, open our eyes to the world at the end of our pointing finger. And let our hearts be led by mercy. Help us reach with open hearts and open doors. O Jesus, friend of sinners, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Think about that. Break our hearts for what breaks. You see, the good news, friends, is that Jesus is a friend of sinners. And that includes all of us, you, me, everyone. Jesus befriends all of us. And he calls us to follow him and to love as he loves us so that our friendship is mutual and not just one-sided. We find that our friendship with him is closely linked to our friendship with others and how we treat one another in our life together. And my prayer for us as the church this day is that Jesus would open up our eyes to the world at the end of our pointing fingers so that we can stop pointing them. That that our hearts would be led by mercy rather than frustration and anger and hate. Jesus would break our hearts for what breaks his own So that when we become upset and angry about something, it should be righteous anger about what's wrong with this world and how injustice happens every day. You see, if we do that, we will remain in Him. If we do that, we will remain in His love. If we do that, we will do what He commands of us. And if we do that, we will be His friends as He is ours. Church prayers that we would do just that, that we would be friends of Jesus by following his commands to love each other as he has loved us. May we do so this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.